Welcome to the Vinyl Preacher, your weekly award-winning podcast where we talk about the Bible and we make a playlist. I'm Pastor Matt Cato at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. I'm Zach Paris. I'm the pastor of Luther Gibbs Ministry University of Colorado Boulder. Zach, we recorded yesterday before mm-hmm. a sports event. Sports now balls. We're recording after said sports. That's event. right. How, how you feeling? You know, as a person who does not believe in the Enneagram, which makes me a four, I revel in the experience of complex emotions. Uh, and the sports ball game last night uh, provided a wonderful opportunity for me to experience those emotions. Uh, and it was full of great metaphor. Uh, I made fun of you yesterday for being an anti-vaxxer. Uh, the karmic gods uh, of podcasts decided to make my daughter sick. And uh, she threw up throughout the game. So I was dealing with literal vomit while I was racked with anxiety, experiencing highs and lows. Uh, and really just experience the full range of human emotion, uh, which is all you can ask for from your sports balls. The throwing up was a result of a virus, not in response to the game itself. My throwing up was in response to the game. <laughs> I see. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that she, I mean, one day let's hope she throws up because of anxiety related to the to, to Clemson sports balls. Uh, but <laughs> currently I don't think that's. That's the one plan. day we can only hope. <laughs> can only hope that I mean, if she's got a genetic predisposition to being racked by anxiety, we know that. So right, sure, she's got a shot. We can okay. only do everything I can to to foster it. So uh, here on the the dad cast, the dad corner cast of the of the podcast, I am home with uh, our sick daughter today, who's vomiting a lot less. As the, the college kids say these days, uh, I was told at the LSM gathering, I was alerted that someone vomed in the hall uh, on New Year's Eve, <laughs> uh, which I learned new information about what had happened and a new vocabulary word. So great. <laughs> so less vomiting today from our daughter, uh, from from child of the podcast. But she's really into little people right now, Matt. Mm, uh, the people. toys. not I see. Yeah, I'll be really clear. Toys. Gotcha. And so she's got accumulated now, thanks to once the grandparents find out that the child is into something, mm-hmm. it is an avalanche of little people right now. <laughs> we, we we got a new shipment of little people in yesterday. Uh, if you're wondering about the Amazon trucks that now crisscross all across the country are carrying, it's just shipments of little people. Little people. <laughs> And she was up and chatty enough uh, today, this morning, to say, I'm going to go downstairs and play with my little people. Will you come with me? And I said, yes, of course. I go down there. And the water was finally hot enough for me to make my coffee. And so I was like, I'll be back. I got to make my coffee. So I go upstairs to make my coffee. Come back downstairs. And she is laying face down asleep on the floor. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, and I picked her up and stuff. And that's when I noticed... She had recently gone to the bathroom, but when she had put her clothes back on after going to the bathroom, she had put both of her legs through a single hole in her uh, mm. underwear. So she was just wearing them like around her waist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yep. So, dad cast. Yep. Dad cast. A real metaphor. A real metaphor. Fantastic. For life and for sports balls games. Yeah. Well, at least she decided that she was into little people. My uh, 
my daughter just got all Frozen stuff for Christmas because my mom decided that they should be oh, into Frozen because they're two wow. sisters. Yeah. Uh, so it would be perfect. Mm-hmm. So they got all kinds of Frozen. Are they, are they in? This little doll that uh, just plays the same 30-second snippet of a song from Frozen 2 just over. Which one? 30 seconds would be too much. Uh, into the Unknown. But into just the, the Unknown. Yes. But just that part, just that one little, like, 15 seconds. And then Sierra just keeps pushing it and pushing it. <laughs> into the unknown. Yeah, 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 just like that. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Kids' toys are fun. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty okay with little people. They don't make much noise. They can be quite painful when you step on them barefoot. Um, see depending on exactly how little they are. And she's also mixed in some Lego people, which are worse. Little people are, yeah, are, are, right. yeah. have a little more give than Lego people. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Dad cast. Matt, I have good news. I don't understand yeah. what's happening. I do not understand what's happening. Yesterday, uh, I left from tabling, which is an important part of the beginning of any semester where you sit at a table in the student union and you try to get students to give you their contact information. Uh, and they just they love to give you their contact information. They're like, yeah, I'm interested in new things. I would like to learn more about you and your organization. I'm just kidding. They never talk to you or look <laughs> at you uh, regardless of what you do. Uh, but we were successful. We had two students fill out info cards which is the highest. I mean, basically, I think that means we're getting married to these two students now. That's There's nothing, no greater commitment one can make in life yeah. than filling out an info card for a student organization right. at a random tabling event. Mm-hmm. Not even at a fair. We did no giveaways. Incredible. Incredible. The kingdom has come near, Matt. Fantastic. Winter tabling. I thought that was just in the fall, but no. Oh, you got to do it beginning. That's when people plug into stuff. Yeah. Uh, tonight uh, at our Bread and Belonging Weekly Gathering will be our first one of the semester. We're doing a goals workshop because students wanted to do that, not because I'm into those things. Uh, but a thing that I enjoy, Matt, I get to live my life somewhat on the lectionary calendar, but more so on the academic calendar forever. Mm-hmm. And there are good parts and bad parts to that. And one of the parts I do really enjoy about being on a, an academic calendar is that we get these regular opportunities to start over, uh, even for me, right? Who, uh, my life doesn't change tremendously from one semester to the other. I'm not taking new classes. Uh, and thanks be to God, I don't have to take exams at the end of those uh, semesters. But that every semester is this, there's this liturgical value to, to the beginning of a new term uh, when everything is wiped away. Uh, and I remember as a student, that every new semester, especially the spring ones, the spring ones were the ones where I had the most resolve, that this was going to be the semester where I uh, I went to the gym regularly, that I stayed on top of my coursework, uh, that I wasn't going to have to like, cram for two days before final because I hadn't done anything for that class in like literally a month. Uh, and so I would, there was an opportunity for me to attempt that. It never lasted more than a couple weeks. Uh, and as a person who used to use the gym at the university pretty regularly, it was astounding how many people you could squeeze in there the first week of the spring semester <laughs> and how empty it would be four weeks later. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we're going to talk about those dynamics, how we might live into a, a new start, which is, I don't want to yeah. get too far ahead, not unconnected, hey, not disconnected from the text. Let's, should we talk about the text? New start. 
I left the bell in the office, Matt. I don't have it at home. Sorry, oh, Nick. No. You have to work a little harder, Nick. Wow. Wow. I need to go listen to yesterday's podcast to see what Nick did with <laughs> <laughs> the huh? hurricane siren that we sounded. <laughs> Third Sunday after Epiphany. Bouncing around here, Matt. Bouncing around. Back in Matthew, though. That's nice. We're back in Matthew, but we skipped over the wilderness. Yeah, so what's going on? What uh, skipped over the wilderness? Where have we been? So last week was kind of a fake. Like, it was... uh... So the writer of the Gospel of John... He stumbled upon what he thought was some great uh, IP, uh, the baptism of Jesus. And he's like, you know what? I don't have time for this. I need to just reboot. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to reboot the baptism of Jesus, but totally like a different perspective and stuff. So Jesus isn't even going to be baptized, but this is definitely baptism of Jesus. Uh, so you got an, an adaptation of that. Uh, the week before that was the actual baptism of Jesus in uh, Matthew. And before that, Epiphany, Magi, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, and I'm... That's where we've been in this lectionary. And then in the in the Gospel of Matthew, yeah, we had Baptism of Jesus. And then Temptation, which we'll get, I assume, on Lent 1. That's correct. Uh, but then today it says, Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew... To Galilee. So what? He, I thought he was already in the he was in the wilderness, and now and then like the next line is like he withdrew. Mm. What's happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, spatially we have some questions here. I mean, mostly I think what's happening is that in our text today, when he left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the lake in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali, uh, I think we're shoehorning some geography in to do some script, some some prophecy fulfillment. Gotcha. But there could be. So if you want to think about Galilee and Judea, no, it still doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> actually, I don't know. <laughs> trying to make it work here, Matt. Uh, wow. There's plenty of wilderness to go around. There's plenty of wilderness in, in Judea. Well, and actually, Sea of Galilee. I'm trying to think. i got to look at a map. I don't know, Matt. I don't think it's that important. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear that. I think... Um, I mean, it's a weird little line. There is some, uh, there is some like public ministry, and uh, so we talked about baptism of our Lord. It's Jesus like coming into his public ministry, but really, uh, we were wrong because <laughs> first he goes into the wilderness, and it's not until John is arrested that then he steps out uh, and kind of moves into proclaiming. Repent for the kingdom of heaven. There's something that happens when John's arrested that then Jesus moves into yeah. into that role. Um, there are some nice connections to last week. Uh, mm. One of the things we talked about was the role that hiding plays uh, in call. And this is, mm. we looked at last week as there were some call stories in that it was, of course, uh, the definitely not the baptism of Jesus, baptism of Jesus. But then he calls uh Disciples it has to do with seeing John like yells at him, right? And then maybe it was the Isaiah, I guess, that he hid me in his God hid me, Yahweh hid me in his hand. Uh, here you have Jesus again doing something that he's done before. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Is Jesus' flight to Egypt uh, is that Christ like uh, to run away to to put your money Python voice on? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the brave disciples ran away. Uh, and here. 
So there's this pattern throughout the Gospel of Matthew in particular of homecoming exile. Jesus goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And a part of that is kind of theological in nature. Uh, I love the exile homecoming stuff. But a part of it is is safety and power uh, because those are very real realities for Jesus. And that in Galilee, he's outside the reach of the temple officials. Galilee is much less... Uh, there are plenty of, of Jews there, but the power of of the religious authorities is much weaker there. So when they flex their 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 muscle uh, in arresting John, Jesus responds because it's not safe for for the John Jesus coalition right now in Judea, and so he's mm. got to get out of there, and so he retreats to places of, sa- of safety. Yeah, which is interesting just to consider as Jesus like. We think of Jesus so, like, most of the time when we think of, like, adult Jesus, I think we think of Jesus on the cross, like, being completely vulnerable physically, you know, uh, give them the other cheek uh, to strike. But here, he's playing some defense actively. Yeah. Yeah, there's strategy to it, right? And not for the first time, like, he was he was on the run in Egypt, uh, mm-hmm. hiding, right, as a child. And here again in his adult ministry, like, there's going to be strategy where he's withdrawing from uh, authorities and... Then at a certain point, he won't hide any longer, but but there's strategy to that. Yeah, thanks for lifting that up. I mean, he doesn't go into Jerusalem until the power dynamics have shifted so that he can safely enter Jerusalem, which, you know, in the church sometimes, my continual complaint with the church, one of my many complaints about the church is that, that we have to, I think, make room for this middle ground of being aware of and utilizing power dynamics is not inherently bad or evil. Um, that you have to be have that Jacobian spirituality to be cunning, conniving for the gospel. Because Jesus doesn't roll up into Jerusalem first day; he rolls up into Jerusalem when the crowds are in his favor, and that the and that the those in authority would risk insurrection uh, and are made vulnerable by the by the crowds. Uh, he doesn't yeah. do it until he knows that it's safe. Well, and as you mentioned, there's some prophecy of fulfillment going on here which Matthew does uh, a lot of. And we started thinking, um, I feel like we talked about this uh, in another week, but what, um, well, maybe it was with Aaron where we were trying to wrestle with what prophecy might might mean. Because for us, as maybe as moderns or, or what, but like something happening just to fulfill some prophecy that happened before seems like a weird kind of magic thing that doesn't really, that doesn't resonate for me, right? But I wonder if there's a way to think ourselves into like why this is so important for Matthew. There's some reason why this is, like, really important for him, right? Yeah. I mean, so the stereotype is to say that that Matthew is the the Jewish gospel, that that the scholars uh, postulate that the writer of Matthew is very concerned with making this Jesus story and connecting it to the Jewish story. Um, And that's the kind of audience that we think that, that, that the writer was writing for. And so that's why a part of these prophecies are are scattered and sprinkled throughout Matthew is is kind of to be this connective tissue. Matthew's where you have the genealogy, right, where Jesus is literally connected to David. And they're scattered throughout to be the kind of connective tissue between the Jesus story and uh, the greater, older Jewish story. I mean, I'm trying to think of examples, but we do this all the time in our common life together now. Um, perhaps not with, like, religious with religious significance necessarily, but that we we shape our current story, we frame our current story into the larger story that we want to tell about ourselves, uh, particularly as 
Americans. Mm. Yeah. Right. So that that not not to be super unnecessarily critical, but just a, a critical take on on my experience at the African American Museum a couple weeks ago. Much of how it was presented. And a lot of the work of of the museum curators was to embed this story into a a larger American U.S. American mm. story. Um, mm. This was changing it and adding some nuance to it, but they did they did important work of trying to lift up places where there were connective tissues to things we already knew, right? And yeah. so so lots of the interesting stuff where these people I'd never heard of who did who did this interesting thing. They were also involved in in this other like uh, like the. The kind of displays on on uh, black soldiers who fought in World War One, mm. uh, you know, is to say, look, this is you know World War One. That's a part of your story. Look how this story is a part of that, uh, and this, so this is also yours. Mm. And so that's, yeah. I mean, that's yep. what I think Matthew's trying to do. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense, and that's a better it's a better approach than because um, I think we do sometimes see with Christians trying to do a kind of Nostradamus uh, prophecy fulfillment thing, right? Which in some ways is why we have uh, warmongering in the Middle East, because we think, hey, the apocalypse is going to come if we only like go to war in Iran. And we've got to get away from that kind of prophecy fulfillment and more into this, like, what does it mean to weave something into a larger story? So that's, yeah, that's helpful. I mean, we do it with Middle East stuff when we say that, oh, well, they've been fighting for forever over there is a way of taking current events and tying them into a story whether it's truthful or not, which it's not, um, to place it and help us make sense of it. So then Jesus starts uh, organizing. <laughs> Weird, weirdly, he doesn't do one to ones with everyone first. He just starts making propositions. He does, well, actually, so Matt, this is a fun thing, right? So from <laughs> yeah. that time, Jesus began to proclaim, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near," which is uh, parroting. Uh, Matthew 3, 1. That's what John the Baptist says uh, to folks by the river. But as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. And then he's going to see uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the, the sons of thunder. And a thing to know is that medical science, as we talked about last week, when wound gets translated, <laughs> is described as a matrix. They're uh, an anatomical, their human physiology vocab, not well developed. So actually how they thought eyes worked, which makes lots of sense is that eyes were not passive, they were active. And so that to see things, basically you were shooting lasers out of your eyes, uh, not being yes. receptacles of light waves, right? Uh, so yes, he calls to them, but it's not much more than we would read initially. It's not a passive act that he saw two brothers. He saw mm. them with his laser eyes. His laser eyes were laid <laughs> upon them, right? Jesus uh, has a laser cat and he just... <laughs> <laughs> pops those two brothers and then he pops two other brothers uh, and then he calls to them yeah laser eyes love it uh, yeah so he sees them with his laser eyes and maybe we could even unpack I mean like he sees them he he really sees them right it isn't like a glance hey there's like two guys standing yeah. over there but like no like he like you could do some imagining tractor beam you know yeah the tractor beams them man <laughs> <laughs> it's also interesting, right? So it's the, like to break it down much more than you would want to in a sermon. Yeah. He sees them and then he calls them. Interesting. We can get there. But it, we just said, repent for the kingdom of heaven came, has come near. That's not what he says to these guys. He doesn't pull Peter and Andrew aside and say, hey, let's, let's take a real honest look at your lives. 
uh, what are some of the big changes we need to make, right? <laughs> he just calls them and they drop everything. They do it. They do that metanoia, that turning around. They change their lives drastically. But he doesn't exactly like lead with, we need to talk about how sinful you've been. And you brood of vipers. Follow. He doesn't say you brood of vipers follow me. He just shoots <laughs> them with the laser cats, the tractor beam, and they follow. Yeah. And they do. They follow him. And they left the boat and their father. Mm-hmm. Oh. They followed him. Sorry, Zebedee. Yeah, what happened with Zebedee, right? Why doesn't Zebedee get out of the boat? You know, we don't get any details into, yeah. like, the, the the rationale that they had, the, the pitch that Jesus made. But that if if it's just Jesus calling them, how, how does Zeb, why doesn't Zebedee respond in the same way that James and John do? He didn't see the Zebedee with the laser eyes. Right. He only saw the two brothers. It says he so, saw two other you know, brothers. Somebody's got to keep fishing. Somebody. Somebody's got to eat. We got to eat this. <laughs> no, we have to eat. Somebody's got to keep fishing. So right. uh, I guess that's Zebedee. <laughs> oh, wow. If you're starting a new movement, though, Zebedee literally means thunder. Wouldn't you want thunder as a part of that? You know? Yeah. I'm picturing him as Thunder Dan. Thunder Marley. Dan Marley. <laughs> Yep. Yes. That'll, Should have my Thunder Dan coffee cup today, but don't. Based on the the time lag that I think most of the church has with pop culture, Thunder Dan uh, uh, metaphors uh, are coming into their time. This is this is the time. Mid level star. He started one All Star game. I believe right. in six, maybe. Uh, so you know, uh, about twenty three, four years ago. Yeah. So the church but. is almost ready for that metaphor. <laughs> I had an amazing Dan Marley poster in my bedroom of him dunking, which is not really his signature move. He's more of a he's more of a three point shooter, so it wasn't really like a Thunder Prince really like, wasn't the best nickname. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't make me think though. I, they used to have these uh, basketball cards. They called them Thunder and Lightning, and it would be like it'd be like Carmelo and John Stockton, right? It'd be like like some kind of power forward and then like a point guard, and they called it Thunder and Lightning, and it was so cool. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. That's why you come to this podcast. That's you. You wanted a podcast on NBA Jam, and we're giving you a podcast about the Bible. So, in the style of an NBA Jam podcast. Uh, Anything else on this this gospel text? Well, we wrap it up that he keeps on. He does a few more amazing things. Proclaims the good news and cures every disease and every sickness among the people. Um, The thing I want to lift up here, Matt. uh, We got laser cat eyes which is pretty cool. But the other thing that I think we miss reading it, that we'll miss reading it on on Sunday morning, is how big of a deal it was for the sons of Zebedee to leave Zebedee, to leave their father. An important background piece in understanding Jesus' call is that the only people in the ancient Near East, I've said this a million times on the podcast, who had any sort of social responsibility to care for the well-being of, of anyone besides themselves was your uh, your blood relatives, your blood kinfolk. And what Jesus is doing in this call, what it makes this repentance so drastic is that Jesus in that call is calling Peter and Andrew and James and John to sever that tie and to, and to put everything on the hope that this new kin, kinship group would care for them the way that their old family would. Because, not because they were like just hard people, you broke in leaving your family, you broke the trust of that uh, tribe. 
pretty literally a tribe. Mm. Uh, and so you were no longer a part of that and you would not be allowed back in because they, that's what makes the prodigal son story such a big deal. You're not allowed back in because we have to, nobody in this world cares about us except for us. And you violated that trust in a really severe way. We cannot trust you again. And so when yeah. they leave, they were leaving. That's what they're walking into with their old family and putting all this trust and hope into, uh, into this new thing. I, uh, I just finished reading into the wild a few years later than most people, uh, you know, about 13 years since the movie came out based on the book that yeah. came out in the, uh, the early nineties. Uh, but it, so much of the sex reminds me of that, uh, would love to get into the finer points of, of the story and what all he did and, and, uh, how it connects to Matt and I and our time in Slab City. But that it's it is this drastic leaving. He cut off his family. He didn't need to, right? But that's the kind of leaving your family completely behind is what we're talking about here, and entrusting yourself to strangers uh, and to the wilderness, right? We just came back from the wilderness, and we're coming off of that story last week, where 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 the new disciples say, "We want to see where you're abiding, where you're staying," and where Jesus has been abiding. In this story, is out in the wilderness, which is even more severe and threatening. So before, that's my warning to preachers as well. And when I, if I was in your pews, I would get fussy if you leaned too much, encouraging listeners to do what these folks did without recognizing the stakes of what you're talking about and how committed almost all of us are to not doing that. Mm. And somehow I'm pretty sure that's good news. <laughs> somehow I'm pretty sure it's good news. You know, the other thing from the completely... From a completely different angle, from Jesus's angle, um, I remember in two weeks ago when we were talking about the at the baptism of our Lord that Jesus hadn't done anything yet, and here he's uh, he, hey he's doing stuff. So here finally we see Jesus doing stuff. Right. He survived the but wilderness, it's, but it's interesting that like he doesn't begin the teaching, the curing, the healing doesn't begin until after he's organized a team. Hmm. At least here in this gospel. I don't know what it looks like. I don't remember what it looks like in Mark and Luke, but at least right here, like the way the story is told, like some stuff happens to him, but he doesn't go out and begin this ministry project until he starts sort of putting this team together. And that might be important for us to recognize too. Yeah. Jesus is not a lone ranger. (laughs) I think that's... Hopefully everyone's uh, read the book or seen the movie now. Uh, Certainly that is one of the the fatal flaws in Chris's plan in Into the Wild. He is completely by himself. I, I don't remember if I talked about it on the podcast, but day after Christmas, I went skiing and I ended up somewhere a little out of, slightly out of bounds from a resort. Uh, and uh, I made a very poor choice, Matt. Uh, uh, and I got really, really lucky. I uh, uh, broke, I think I cracked about two ribs, uh, but that's it. Uh, and it could have been way, way worse. And I ended up at the bottom of this face, uh, mostly snow-covered face, uh, without my skis. But And I had, I mean, I was stuck back there by myself with no ability to communicate with anyone, with no idea. Uh, it's not a patrolled area of, like, there wasn't going to be a ski patrol coming by. Um, and I, I had this moment of, like, first I was, like, Mostly, like, super embarrassed. I hope nobody saw that and, like, saw how stupid I am for making, like, this choice I made. Uh, and then I was able to have, like, collect myself enough to have a moment where it wasn't just, like, 
oh, I need to get myself out of this, but like a, a calm enough moment, frightening moment to think, to, to realize for a second what the situation actually was, that nobody knew where I was. I was by myself. My skis were at the top of this face. Um, and, you know, it was one thirty in the afternoon. So I had three and a half hours, two and a half hours of sunlight. So let's make a plan for how I'm going to get out of here. Uh, yeah. Realizing that, that I didn't have anybody else to depend on, right? Not just my yeah. kin group, right? Like I didn't bring anybody with me. Um, and to be confronted with, uh, I wish we were doing wilderness this week because uh, that's where I'm at right now. Um, yeah. To be confronted with the brutal realities of the wilderness. Also just watched, uh, we spent the first part of the sick day watching the Disney Plus movie Togo. Uh, have you seen it? No. No, but I've seen a Disney Plus, the little ad, so... It's yeah. pretty good. I'm afraid we only did about half of it. It's Alaskan dog sled. Uh, so, you know, we're back in Alaska, brutal conditions. I'm afraid they're going to old yeller me at the end, but we'll see. <sighs> wow. Well, Zach, I'm thinking about doing a wilderness theme for Lent, so maybe we'll go deep on this. I saw your playlist. Oh. <laughs> Dear listeners, another fun part of preparing for the, the podcast is uh, on Spotify's feed, uh, we can see what the other ones are listening what, what Matt I can see what Matt is listening to right before we record. Uh, <laughs> and vice versa. So Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of listening, what are we listening to? Oh what are we listening to? Matt, I got a few more notes. Um Okay. That I'm gonna throw in. Uh there's a lot of joy there in Isaiah nine. Which is interesting. The root for joy is to to brighten, like to brighten up. Uh, the scholars think so. That's interesting for you. And then I just had to lift up Chloe's people in First Corinthians. It's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you. More like Karen's people. Am I right? Uh, I don't. I don't really understand the Karen stuff on the internet. But like <laughs> Chloe by name got called out as a tattletale here. Uh, yeah. Come on. Yeah, don't be a Chloe. It's one of the funniest uh, texts. It's kind of like this is this seems like super specific gossipy stuff that it's not clear why a couple does. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, that seemed private. This doesn't seem like a public. Company. Yeah. And the note to like no one but himself that that, that Paul writes. Uh, I don't know whether I baptized anyone else or not. There was a lot going on. It's hard for me to recall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't normally commend the Paul to you, but for just for entertainment value. Paul's yeah. this week is, is worth leaning Absolutely. into. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Matt, with all the repentance this week, uh, with the metanoia, with the turning around, uh, I'm just going to go with the classic, the birds, turn, 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 you know, which I think leans nicely into some of the, the seasonal stuff as well, that there's a time to go run and hide in Galilee. There's a time to enter Jerusalem. Uh, there's a time to leave everything behind. Uh, and I think the good news of Matthew, if I found good news, I think I just did. Uh, there's a time to, to go home. Nice. Nice. The baptismal imagery, Matt. So what dooms Chris in Into the Wild, if you recall, is that so he hikes like he's only 20 miles off of a road, like with cars and stuff. So he's not that like, yes, 20 miles in the middle of nowhere is the middle of nowhere. But it's not like he's 100 miles from humans. Uh, he's only 20 miles away and 10 miles in there was a river and he walked across it in early May and in middle of July he's ready to get out of there he's decided he wants to go back and so he's leaving but July is when the peak uh, 
runoff happens in Alaska when the snow melt, the snowpack melts, and it's when and it's just unpassable. You can't walk across this river; it's become huge. The baptismal imagery of that is leads to his death. But uh, spoilers. Uh, <laughs> There you go. There's a season for walking across the river and a season for getting out of there. Uh, and then I'm going to go with this call story. I've been doing a lot of Jason Isbell recently, uh, who I've really come back around on after not initially liking. Uh, and I'm going to go with the life you chose. Are you living the life you chose or the life that chose you? And I don't know. I don't want to imply that anyone's better than the other. How are you, Matt? What are you listening to? Well, it makes me think Into the Wild has a, uh, a good soundtrack by Eddie Vedder. Oh, Hannah's Check. favorite artist. Yeah? No, Hannah despises Eddie Vedder. We can't <laughs> listen to Pearl Jam in our house. <laughs> they just announced a new, uh, a new album and tour, and they're going to be in L.A. the night before Coachella. We could do it, Zach. <laughs> I'll have Hannah come out. It would be my only opportunity to ever see Pearl Jam live, because otherwise I'm going by myself. Uh, well, he did the soundtrack for uh, Into the Wild. I'm thinking um, this week, I've already started listening to these Coachella artists. Uh, and I really liked uh, this this band. This is a ridiculous name. They're called King Gizzard and the Lizard King Wizard. Gizzard. But the song is called Fishing for Fishies. Mm. And so I feel like it works with this fishing text uh it's a good little like i like a little folk rock thing going on i kind of like it it's good stuff uh so fishing for fishies king gizzard the lizard wizard really love the letter z and then uh kanye west from his album that we have mixed feelings about the song is called follow god follow god uh commend that to you dive back into kanye west and then uh casey musgraves follow your arrow Wherever it goes. Oh. Yes. I recently had friend of the podcast, UB Rakutu Malala, uh, was at church on Sunday. I'm unfamiliar with that place. Uh, but she uh, sent me a picture of a giant stained glass window of a shell, a seashell, because she's aware that I have some, have historically had some issues with shells as biblical imagery because it's not a biblical image at all. Like, I don't, like, I've always asked people, like, why does it? They're like, it, it means baptism. Like, okay, why? And the answer is always like, you know, it means baptism. It's a circular thing. Uh, but I've gotten better at it because it's the sign for the Camino. So the shell points the way and you can, like, they orient the shell so it becomes like an arrow and points the way to Santiago, which is kind of neat and interesting. Still not going to be really into it. Uh, but the other, like, sign is like this, like, really simple arrows are all over the place. So if yeah. I had to choose a Camino tattoo, I tried to get students to peer pressure me into it and they wouldn't do it. Uh, getting tattoos in Madrid. Uh, I would have gotten the arrow and not the shell. So I um, imagine this Casey Musgrave song is all about the Camino de Santiago. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah. Excellent. You're right. Matt, do we have time for, for one Ask the Vinyl Preacher? Sure. Which one would you like to talk about? Uh, I don't know. I'm not looking at it, so you're going to have to read it, and then I'll think. All right. I'll start with one I'm ready to talk about. It took some research. Uh, Brian Bennett, our colleague at Pittsburgh, uh, the University of Pittsburgh, and like the other, all those other Pittsburgh schools, Carnegie Mellon and stuff, uh, writes in and says, in light of the Thomas Paine problem, are you familiar with the Thomas Paine problem, Matt? No. I was not either. I Googled it. Uh, does Baby Yoda need Jesus? Uh, and it looks like I copy and pasted something about the Thomas Paine problem to explain it. Let's say you discover aliens on other planets and you decide that you should convert them to Christianity, <laughs> which is definitely what Matt and I would do. Uh, 
Uh, a reasonable yeah. question should be why. Uh, if they live on the planet Earth, they could be descendants of Adam and Eve, but they're Klingons living on planet whatever. They couldn't suffer from original sin because they're not descendants of Adam and Eve. Uh, Christianity makes no sense for these creatures unless our understanding of original sin makes no sense. Yeah, so I'm probably okay with our understanding of original sin making no sense. Uh, I, would, I, I think Baby Yoda does need Jesus. That's what I'm going to posit here. Uh, not because Baby Yoda is innately sinful, but because I think that what Jesus is about and what Christianity is about is the proclamation of the good news of the, of, of the truth of that logos of that word, the pre-existent word that exists. We'll go to the other creation story. That's your way out of this, Matt. If your issue is you're stuck in an Adam and Eve story, well, Adam and Eve is only one of three creation stories. You could do days of the week. Mm. Uh, or, mm. as I'm going to do, you're going to do the first chapter of John. In the beginning was the word. Uh, predates planets, Yodas, baby Yodas, old Yodas, predates all that. Mm. Uh, yeah. And the, the, the good news of Jesus is the proclamation that the truth of the universe is this cruciform reality that in the end all things will move. I was being brilliant. And in my brilliance, Matt, I smacked my mute button. Oh, no. Yeah, because yeah. I thought I lost you for a sec. I think everybody lost me. I don't know where. But I'm going to reiterate, Matt. Baby Yoda needs Jesus because if Baby Yoda is going to be a part of this truth at the heart of the universe uh, that brings life to all, then Baby Yoda, like the rest of us, must move through this cruciform shape from death into life. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I, I <laughs> can see that. Cool. I can see that. I'm going to say uh, yes, uh, because I think they'd have a lot to talk about. You know, mm. they'd have some things in common. They could heal. He gets tired. I mean, baby, you gets tired, nap. you know, I know. Take a, take a nap. Uh, How much better know? would the gospel of Matthew be if after he cured every <laughs> disease and sickness among the people, yes. it also said, and then he took an extended siesta because <laughs> he was yeah. tired. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. I just think they would, uh, they'd have a lot to talk about. I think the more interesting question is... I think they would have a lot to talk about, Matt, but I'm (laughs) worried that Yoda's vocabulary skill, speech development (laughs) over 50 years is going to limit his ability to have the conversation. True. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yep. He's a genius, but he can't pick up uh, basic English. They'll find a way. They'll find a way. Uh more interesting question for me is does IG-11 need Jesus? Oh, that's much more interesting question. <laughs> we throw that back to you listeners. Oh, what repentance about- we saw in IG-11. Right, talk about a metanoia. <laughs> wow, I mean that's much more what the repentance would look like that Jesus is talking about, right? Because <laughs> sure. in order to, to, to understand that kind of repentance, you have to set up that family system stuff we talked about where like You've got a bounty hunter and be reborn and then slowly learn how to live. But but you can understand the reluctance of the community to take you back in to be like, (laughs) oh, no, we trust IG-11 now. They've totally changed. Here's Baby Yoda. Uh, None of us would have given Baby Yoda to IG-11. Yeah. Yeah. And yet that's the kind of repentance Jesus is talking about. The new life. Uh, Not only does IG-11 need Jesus, IG-11 has received Jesus. Amen. <laughs> and once he does, uh, what what a picture of oh. post-rescue life where you come in, guns blazing on your speeder <laughs> with a baby Yoda and your baby Bjorn. Incredible. Incredible. Baby Yoda, baby Bjorn. 
I mean, I would say at this point, Baby Yoda needs whoever Baby Yoda can get because, you know, walking locomotion is not an easy thing. <laughs> incredibly powerful, incredibly vulnerable. Take whatever you can get, Baby Yoda. Thanks for the questions. That was good. Thanks, Brian. All right, Matt. Well, You're headed uh, headed to the wilderness? I'm headed to the frozen tundra mm. of the great Midwest. Do not go alone, Matt. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Be sure you know the way back across the river. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, it's uh, been real. It's been real vinyl.